The core part of our mission for a child to feel seen, loved, known, and valued is felt in every aspect of their education. The conditions to learn and love learning, I think would be overarching themes. Welcome to Crafting Learning, a curriculum design podcast with your hosts, Lacey Ramsey, Andy Tyson, and me, Rashawn Richards. So I thought that was great. Well, this is the pre-roll. I think this will be great. <laughs> but you've heard it. I know this will be great. I know this was great. It was so great to hear Cindy and Kelly talking about how successful their work has been already. It sounds like they've made leaps and bounds in their social-emotional learning in lower school. I what? might leap for joy because of their success. What's a great thing about leap year jokes? What? That you only hear them repeated every four years. I had a kid today ask if Leap Day was called Leap Day because you leap from the 28th to the 29th. And I was like, yeah, sure. It is funny. Yeah. Why is it a leap? It's more like a stall. Yeah, or a makeup. We've, we've a makeup stalled day. progress, yes. Or a reconciliation of quarter days every four years. It should be called Reconciliation Day. Oh, yes. that uh, sounds really re- exciting. Recon Day. I would watch that movie, Reconciliation yeah. Day. There haven't been any, like, action dramas made about Leap Leap Day. No. (laughs) It would have to be, like, a a time traveler action drama that has someone stuck in a loop until the next opportunity to appear. I've already got it written. It's like the opposite of Groundhog's Day. Because there are no gophers. (laughs) No, the movie, not the actual day. Because doesn't everything just keep rehappen, right? Like, everything keeps starting over. This would be the opposite because everything would just stop. Yes. Kind of. In the podcast we just recorded, they mentioned like becoming like loving learning. I have always any Groundhog Day like movie or the one where you could time travel or stop time or redo it. I've always wanted that because, and I've realized it sounds geeky saying it, I want to have the time to go really learn to play jazz piano. And I want to spend 10 years in a time loop just really nailing it and come out tomorrow in real time better. It's only if you can control when the end of the loop is. Because otherwise it sounds... Or as long as I can retain it. So if I'm waking up Groundhog Day style, I've got 24 hours, but I can... Today I learn my walking bass stuff. Next week I learn my Mixolydian mode. Like, I could do that. Oh, so you're every now and then... Like, you decide you can keep going back to... Yeah, let me relive today. until I can play the piano better. There's your band reference again. Learning music. Music is not an extra frivolous thing. It is how we connect to our soul, to our emotions. It transcends language. It is a true, we talk about core curriculum. Forget math and science. Music, art, a way to express your true self. Well, and I think it adds to social emotional well-being. Because if, if you're happy and there and avail, and, and music and art makes you happy a lot of, for a lot of people, it makes you more available for learning. Even if what you are doing through your music and art is exploring sadness or disappointment. It's a, it's a outlet. It's a creative outlet. And we should have more of it at this school. At all schools. Did you, did you find a good leap year joke? 
Uh, no. Okay. Well, I'm trying to figure out why 2024 will be longer than 2023, but so far, nothing leaps to mind. Oh, that's the best one yet, which doesn't say much about the others. But don't know yet. It was great to have experts like Cindy and Kelly share their work, and I appreciated that it had a very, or it's been having a very measurable and impactful outcome. And I think even going into it, knowing what was already existing, and then ha asking the questions, how can they improve and make it be more effective, that they looked at referrals as a metric by which they wanted to see improvement, and they're able to. So I think that's really terrific. And it's also great to hear that they're using what we have in terms of programs and approaches like responsive classroom and building on it, um, which helps because teachers who are here are already kind of trained in that. And so the language is familiar and the, the constructs are familiar like morning meeting and hopes and dreams and, and closing meeting and all that stuff. And so to just build on a set of knowledge that people already have just makes it a lot more effective. And now let's hear from Kelly and Cindy and learn more about the social emotional learning curriculum. Cindy and Kelly, thank you so much for being here on our podcast. Can you each tell us your name, your role, how long you've been at country school, and any other things that you think our listeners might be interested in hearing about you? Sure, I'll start. I am Cindy Tom. This is my 13th year at Country School. I am the assistant head of early childhood and lower school for teaching and learning. It's a mouthful. <laughs> I started here as a third grade teacher and transitioned into learning, res learning resources. And this is my first year taking on the assistant head role. And I am Kelly Segrist. I am the early childhood and lower school psychologist. This is my second year at country school. Prior to being here, I worked in the public school for over 12 years. And that's that. <laughs> So Kelly, how did you end up at New Canaan Country School? So I had been looking for my entire career, frankly, to find a place that I was mission aligned with. I have always wanted to work with children ever since I was little. And I felt that every placement that I had been post-grad school was never able to give children the care that they all deserve. And the caseloads were highly unmanageable. The amount of time that was allocated towards what I wanted to do and away from program was so minimal. And... Every time I tried to find something like I was looking for, it didn't exist. And one day, my friend Holly Casella let me know that there was an opening at country school, and I had never worked in an independent school setting, so I was highly unfamiliar with what it looked like. And upon my first interview with Megan Mallon, it was, without sounding incredibly cheesy, like exactly what I have been looking for my entire life. This was a place that valued education. It was a place that valued fun. It valued social emotional learning. And it was already integrated within everything that children did. So it wasn't, I didn't need to come and 
put it all out there already. It was already a foundation that existed. So I just was able to come in with my level of expertise, my level of passion, and just match with other people that were just as passionate and just as loving and wanted exactly what I wanted for children. So it was no longer the sense of me coming in and trying to impose my work on an already existing system, but I was welcomed with open arms into this magical place that already did all those things. You want me to tell you how I ended up here? I'd like to know <laughs> okay. how 13 or so years ago, uh, how, Cindy, I'm did you old. end up at New Canaan Country School? <laughs> I did my undergrad degree in elementary education at Bucknell University. And when I graduated, I became an assistant teacher at Rye Country Day in first grade. And I was getting my master's at Bank Street in special education. So I spent um, four years at Rye Country Day, and then I went into the city, and I spent four years at the Spence School. And then I came back out to the suburbs, and I spent a year in Rye Public School um, in different facets of their special education department. And then an opening came, and similar to Kelly, I um, had a previous friendship with Dana Brooks, because she also had worked at the Spence School. And she told me about a third grade opening. And I was a little torn because I really was excited about being in the special ed learning resources realm in the public school, but I knew in my heart that I wanted to go back to independent schools. So I came here as a third grade teacher and lucky for me on an opening came about the next year in the learning resources team in lower school. So that has been my home for most of my years here is the learning resources department. So can you please tell us about what you worked on over the summer? Sure. So Cindy and I had worked collaboratively. Last year was my first year, uh, as I had said. So Cindy and I worked collaboratively throughout the whole year. And one of the strongest practices we have in lower school is responsive classroom. All of our teachers are trained in it. All of our teachers use it regularly. And we noticed that there was a moment of an opportunity for us to be able to reinvigorate the strengths of this program and be able to ensure there's continuity across for children both vertically and horizontally in what they were haven't had access to in the classroom. So when I think about what Kelly and I worked on, the word that comes to mind is capacity. We were thinking about after Kelly's first year here, how do we build capacity in the classroom? And it started by how can we give the classroom, both the students and the teachers, a toolbox? And that toolbox were tools that Kelly uses when in her one-on-one sessions with students, but also we unpacked a lot about responsive classroom of what I had been working with lower school faculty on for years. Everyone has been trained and we had been talking about it, but we realized that there is always more room for growth. So we wanted to collaborate around the responsive classroom approach and the expertise that Kelly has and uses with students and think about how it could be implemented more in the classroom because there is only one of Kelly. And can you, for anyone who may not know, tell us a brief idea of what Responsive Classroom is? Responsive Classroom is an approach to teaching, social, emotional, and academic 
skills. Um, it's really integrated. It's not a curriculum. It's not a program. It's an approach. Um, and it has different facets of the approach. You're looking at um, the social and emotional development, behavior, there's classroom management, there's engaging academics, there's positive community. There's a lot of pieces that we all do at New Canaan Country School every day. Um, it just gives a little bit of formal tools around how we can grow in our own practice as teachers and how students can grow. What Kelly and I started our work around was building self-regulation skills and autonomy. Those were the two pieces that we really wanted to look at and work with teachers on. And we started with a faculty meeting with all of early childhood and lower school teachers in the fall. We looked at what continued to come up as referral concerns for, we have a tiered level of support here. So when children are having a hard time in the classroom and the teacher needs an elevated level of support, they can come and access me. We have student strategies meetings where we can talk to a whole team where the alert team is involved, the school psychologist is involved. We have our speech and language pathologist who's there. And this year we're lucky enough to have our occupational therapist who's here for certain consulting hours. So as a learning resource team, our alert team, we can all meet together and determine what is the best path to move forward in terms of parent communication, in terms of classroom strategies, in terms of student strategies, parent strategies. So it's a really whole child approach to any time any type of challenge comes our way. And when we have the challenge in front of us, what I was noticing last year was there was a lot of, let's support the individual child, let's support the individual child, which is best practice and is excellent when you've got six psychologists or mental health support staff on staff, which we don't. So in order to address that, we felt that a great way to go about it would be how can we teach these same skills that are being taught right now one-to-one -one by the psychologist to the child? How can we be more proactive in our approach rather than reactive and empower all of the children and all of the teachers that are in our building with these tools, with these strategies? so that if it comes up, the teachers already feel they have the capacity to support the child. And if it comes up again, a teacher can then lend to the strategies that they had learned previously. What types of things are you doing now that the year has started and we're you know halfway through? What types of things are you doing with teachers to get them to be able to build capacity? Well, I think is pretty neat already from a progress monitoring standpoint is that knowing we did this work and we've been do having touch points throughout the year with teachers during professional development moments is that I've already seen a decrease in referrals. And that's exactly what we're hoping to address is how do the teachers feel that they can support their children in the classroom. And it's very important for me to be clear too. There is such a layer that existed prior to me even coming on board of teacher's ability to support children. And what we know right now, based on the research, is that children are having a harder time globally. So that's not to say that our teachers weren't able to handle the challenges in front of them, but we all need additional tools. So I think we can say with confidence that it's been successful already because of the already decrease, slight decrease, in the amount of referrals that we're needing to work through. I think one thing that's beneficial of being here for so long is you really do get to know the strengths and the areas where there's room for growth. So 
traditionally a lot of time, especially when you say responsive classroom goes towards a component like morning meeting, um, I would say our teachers are really our teachers can con- conduct morning meeting really well. They know the components. They understand the purpose is to establish positive school climate. We have a lot of practices that we do really well in the first six weeks of school, like students sharing their hopes and dreams, which then leads to classroom charters or rules that they all agree to, agreements. I think the what Kelly and I had started with at the beginning of the year was thinking about how you organize your classroom so that it even in the even for our littlest learners that they are developing a sense of autonomy and that they have a place to go to when they need a moment to self-regulate we really are seeing more teachers using quiet time to teach strategies, mindfulness strategies for self-regulation. I think there that definitely increased this year. Teacher language is always ongoing. All of us can always grow our teacher language and how we speak with students. But this year, we've also been talking a lot about, I would say, new pieces are closing circle and reflection, taking that time even at the end of a lesson or the end of the day to reflect and come up with goals. And I would say right now we're at the point where we're looking more at the engaging academics, how interactive is our learning. We have referrals a lot around attention concerns, body regulation, the more interactive our learning is, that would also help reduce those referrals. And it's just best practice also. And so that was the plan going into the summer. You had seen referrals with a similar type, a similar classification. We had, whether it be body regulation or whatever else it might have been, And the idea was, instead of just reacting to these, let's come up with a plan to give people tools to address them ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You did that this summer. Mm -hmm. You've already had time putting it in front of people. You've already seen a decrease in reports. I mean, do we give out gold stars on the podcast? I don't know. This sounds like it's working really well. We often hear about this term SEL, social emotional learning in education, but for some of our listeners, it, it might sound like, I've heard that term, I just don't know what it means. Can you unpack it a little bit? Like what type of behaviors or actions or um, like what do we see that fits into social emotional learning? So from my perspective, the magic of country school is that SEL is not separate and apart. And I said this in one of our communications. It's not separate and apart from the learning that children do. It's intentionally integrated into everything that we do. The core part of our mission for a child to feel seen, loved, known, and valued is felt in every aspect of their education here. And that so much of that is into social emotional learning, right? When a child feels seen, known, loved, and valued, they then can bring their best selves to the table. So when they're quite literally at the table where they're learning, they're presenting themselves in the best way they can. They're receptive to being able to learn. They're their best selves putting forward in in discourse that they might have with a peer and on the playground and in every facet of their education, they're able to be present and be be their best selves. And so 
as I said, the social emotional learning is not this separate, you know, we have 45 minutes a day or 45 minutes a week where we learn a social emotional topic. This is intentionally integrated into everything that we do. I think I would also describe social emotional learning as you're trying to create the optimal classroom condition for students to learn and to connect. They're learning what social emotional learning is in our four fives classroom is going to be very different from our fourth grade classrooms, but connection with their peers and the conditions to learn and love learning, I think would be overarching themes. I love hearing you say that, that it's the condition to learn to love learning, because that's something that not even knowing I was connecting into a philosophy that should be across all of campus, that's been the goal of the band program. And it's, you don't have to be the best band player, and we hope you do become, but like if we can get you to love playing that instrument, we know you'll take it with you wherever you go. So it sounds like you've been so successful so far. What's next? So one of the things I think is important to mention too is that along with the rebranding of the responsive classroom pieces, reinvigorating is a better way to put it, um, but we created a visual support for our team as well. So not only not only have we looked into how we can support them with different visual pieces, but we've also put together binders for everybody so they can have access to reminders of what we talked about and little strategies, little interventions, so that it's not just something we talk about and then we let go. And the hope from Cindy and I is that this becomes something that we can also give to our new employees that we bring on board as a bit of a springboard to this is what's valuable to us this is what we value, this is what we hope to provide to all of our students, and it's a bit of a roadmap in terms of the first pieces of expectations in the classroom. There was a resource that you and Cindy had shared. Um, it's, it's in a Google Slides. Is that part of the content that goes into this binder, or is, that, is this a separate set of content? And then my follow-up question is, is this something that we're able to share more broadly than the country school community? Yes. I mean, I'm going to speak freely. Uh, Copyright-wise, we wanted to make sure that we were being mindful of um, all the work and naming that this was not our words taken directly from responsive classroom materials that we have paid for and that we do have access to. But we felt that it was important to have it all organized in a fashion that teachers would be able to access and that we could also add some of the pieces that I do that are from more of a mental health psychological practice that could be married in with responsive classroom. So yes, it's a resource we were more than happy and would love to share with anybody who wants to see it and would be more than open also to feedback because the reality is we're in the positions that we are because we end up seeing lots of students and children and families and teachers who are having different moments and require support, but the reality is we're always learning, all of us. So if there's any feedback or suggestions, we're more than open to that too. It is such a valuable toolkit though, I think, the slides that you put together and the resources you included. It, it takes pages and pages and pages of responsive classroom material mixed, as you said, with your own tools that you have found work over the years. and. Um, I think marries them so nicely and cohesively and just makes it so accessible for teachers who, you know, as teachers, we're so busy and overwhelmed and we feel like, oh, another curriculum to learn. But you and Cindy did a really good job of making it super accessible and, and it doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels like something as a teacher you'd want to do and, and embrace. 
That was our hope, was we knew exactly what you just said. We don't want to stand up there and say, this is something else you need. In fact, we took it sort of the opposite perspective of these these challenges were coming to us as moments for us to help problem solve through. So now that we see this is a footprint of what we've done before, here are some other ideas to be able to advance our work and practice. And the colors are also intentional and the accessibility and it being aesthetically pleasing are other pieces that we were intentional. So thank you for that feedback. Do you hear that sound? That can only mean one thing. It's time for this episode's edition of Hip Hacks. Now you have to say more. Tell her what it is. What, what are hip hacks? Hip hacks. I've never done this part before. I always you do. Right? It. You always like give an example. Yeah. You, you, you said you, you got have this like trove examples. of unlimited examples to, yeah. to set it up. It's been a busy week. Hold on. <laughs> Hip hacks are our opportunity here. We're all learners. We're all professionals. We have so many tricks that get us through the day. Yes, this podcast was about the work you did over the summer, but it's quite possible, and we know it's true, that you have other information that is worth sharing with the world, our listeners. So if you have any of those, this is your time to share. Is this, do I really give an example? Always. Yeah, Always. Remember yeah, the shift tab in Excel? Mm-hmm. And oh, that was a right. good one. Option good enter. One. Rewriting a oh. piece for a for oh, yeah, re- Trump, redoing Trump the clefts. Yeah. 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 I remember, and then you said no more tech-related ones. Well, no, I just thought the I'm two were the same tip. So, like, because they were both so Excel-specific. Because you, yeah. you weren't listening. That's right. But yeah. they were helpful. They were helpful. They're good tips. Trolley bags. If it's a product, I think that was is made in England. You'll have to look it up. I bring it to the grocery store, and I it hangs on the basket of your grocery store and it's where you put your groceries, but I've never seen anyone else ever have it. And people stop me all the time and ask me, what is that and where did you get it? So you should look it up. Trolley bags, it will go in the show notes. Well, again, we write out the URL and you can type it. That's right. We yeah, did this we'll in one of the earlier episodes. Describe. Oh, yeah. was I not supposed to say a brand? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Sponsor us. <laughs> the job. Yeah. Oh, trolley bags could be our first sponsor. Yeah. Ignore him over for urgent request. Add here that 30 minutes. Right. That's hard. Right. Well, that's just it, right? We're all so busy. And especially in this day and age, especially in this area of the country, we're all so busy. And doing things that matter to you and that are important to you are so important for your own mental health. So to be able to go to close your door at the end of the day with your door on the handle and say, did I do something for myself today? And that could look like taking one more walk around the block before you go inside to greet your family. That could look like drinking a full bottle of water one day that you might not do the day before. It feels like another thing we have to do when we're told take care of ourselves. And as a society, if we could focus just on that, there would be such a palpable difference in the way that we walk through the halls every day. I feel like that sounds so lame. <laughs> no, that, that, it's, it's, that's the best hip hack. Yes, yeah. so true. I, I'm, I think I'm going to take a walk around the block today and Good. drink a whole extra bottle of water. Good. Okay, so on the heels of taking care of yourself an idea that I have that someone taught me a long time ago was if you're having a hard day or if your kids are having a hard day put them in the bath with a popsicle it's called a popsicle bath everybody feels the soothingness of the warm water and the cold popsicle 
and it's a way where you all can reconnect at the end of the day. Do you get in the bath? <laughs> no, you don't get in the bath. Do you eat a popsicle outside of the bath? <laughs> no, you don't so you don't get the popsicle or the you bath. You don't get either one. So I think let me say that differently. Okay. So I have this hack. <laughs> but your kids are happy. And your kids are happy. Wait, Kelly, your sorry, your hip hack to me, it may have been last year, it was a parenting one. Yeah. To instead of dealing with the annoyingness of the morning where your kids are fighting with you the entire morning. You told me to get up earlier, get myself ready, and then get them up. It, it hasn't failed me since you told oh, I'm me. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. As parents, a lot of times it can feel really stressful in the morning, needing to get your kids ready, get yourself ready, get things ready for the day. And that time of the morning, which is time with your children, can quickly become one of the most stressful parts of your day. So my hip hack would be to try as hard as you can to wake yourself up, even if it's five minutes early, 10 minutes early, 15 minutes early, ideally, get yourself ready for the day, feel like you are ready to walk out the door. And then when your children wake up, you can fully focus on them. It can be a connection point. It's an excellent way for them to start off the day. And then you all leave feeling like you filled your cup a little bit more that morning. Perfect. And it works. Well, Kelly... Cindy, thank you so much for being on our podcast. This has been a true delight to hear from both of you. Thank you so much. We're so happy to be here. Thanks for listening to Crafting Learning. This show was produced by Rashawn Richards, Andy Tyson, and Lacey Ramsey. Recording was done by Andy Tyson and mixing by Rashawn Richards. Original music composed by Andy Tyson and arranged by Rashawn Richards. Please like, comment, and follow, and let your colleagues, friends, and family know that they can listen to Crafting Learning wherever they find their podcasts.